0: I have some problematic news. Uh, My recording was not on, so we have none of my stuff. I don't know that we can edit around
1: that. We don't need to start over if you can remember what you said and then just say it again. (laughs) Hopefully, Allie can cut this together. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Jankyard, the most listened to podcast for Ashes Reborn, a game by Hag Games. And today we are talking about, well, not just news and events and deck building, but inevitability. That's right. We're talking about the certainty of the end, the inescapable last breath, the Carl of Top Cuts. And who are we? Well, we've got uh, the guy I hate because he just keeps beating me, Killer Cactus. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am. Yeah, yeah. We've got the the glue that binds, the one who holds us together, Schmendrix. All right, yeah, that's
0: me. The, the glue that binds. Not sure I've ever been called anything more exciting than that. Thank you.
1: And uh, for... All of our UK listeners who can't tell us apart, I'm also Mendrix. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're we're talking about inevitability. So, what does that mean to you guys? In ashes, of course. Let's keep this loose. Not yeah, not a not a doomsday discussion.
2: I think of it as a way to make sure you can end the game. You're not just going to sit there in a the locked up battlefield forever. You have to have a way to. Deal with that, and otherwise, if your deck's not inevitable, then you can get caught in this situation where you summon a couple conjurations, and so does your opponent, and nothing changes. Eventually, right? Once people, once the ra- people start running out of cards, and the rounds get lo- like further and further in.
1: The uh, old three-hour finale. Yeah. Yeah yeah i guess that's probably the simplest way to put it um so let's let's talk about what makes a deck inevitable what are the different ways in which you can build a deck to be inevitable what what does it actually look like when you're playing a game that it's like okay like is inevitability a sign that uh, you're just going to concede. When do you dis- When when can you spot that something is inevitable, or is it a judgment call even at the beginning of the game? Like I need to win before this happens.
0: I'd agree with a, a lot of what Killer said about um, the definition of inevitability. I'd say the actual lived experience of inevit- inevitability, where my palms get sweaty, are facing. Mayoni decks, uh, where you know the big snake is going to eat you eventually unless you can consistently remove it, and creeper decks, where you know the value is eventually going to overwhelm you. And outside of that, the thing that I always feel like I'm most afraid of that feels really inevitable are mill decks that can just crush your your soul with the framework of the game, um, knowing that eventually you're going to start getting exhausted, taking fatigue, damage, uh, and lose and some of the most powerful mill decks that i think i have faced where i really feel that sense most intensely are the monk style total board lock kneel plus safeguard decks which are very hard to pilot but can really make it feel like you've got no outs
1: yeah i mean there, there. i can think of a few outside of just mayonian creepers but creepers was definitely an example um <laughs> in my mind recently, uh not least because of Killer playing it uh with Nomine and Carl beating me um in Blitz with his Koji creepers, beating everyone with the Koji creepers. Um but like if you see three abundance um and especially like three orchid doves, there's that's the inevitability. I mean it's it doesn't mean that it's insurmountable or unbeatable. It just means that, that if you can't get to the win condition, your win condition before, that sort of engine just grinds you out. It is inevitable that it will it will end the game. Um, another one is Jessa sort of has that inevitability of burn built into her. Uh, particularly once you get to, I mean it's hard to say, but like sort of like the five life threshold, it's sort of inevitable. That as long as she's able to put even one or two units on the board in a round, it's inevitable. Um, so there are examples like that. The The mill is sort of one of the easier ones to judge because you know what the endgame plan is. Burn outside of Jessa is a little trickier um, because it comes to whether they have the card and whether they draw the card at the right time like a molten gold you might know is inevitable if it's sort of top around or you've seen only one or two and they have plenty of dice to to do with what they will um but i can't really think of too many other sort of concrete examples where you know for sure it's gonna end because the game is very flexible and very open-ended. So what do you think, Killer? What are what are examples of inevitability?
2: Direct inevitability. I mean you have like Auric. I mean eventually Oric's gonna get to awakened state and he'll just burn you out if you don't do something. He's got that. I mean Brennan has burn printed on their Phoenix Born card. Like that Brennan can also just burn you out eventually if you get locked up. Um, I tend to think of it, though, as... kind of like what Smedrick said earlier about engineering a board state. If you have... if your deck has the capability to end the game in a way that's not focused on the battlefield...
1: Mm.
2: And you can engineer... All you have to do then in the early game is worrying about worry about getting to a state where you're ahead in that regard. For instance, you know, like again, like spendrick said, the game has inevitability built into it through the fatigue rules. If you get ahead on cards in hand and deck, and even on the battlefield you can pivot your plan to aiming for fatigue now right because you're ahead all you have to do is maintain the status quo and you win because you're going to the other person's going to fatigue out first assuming you have enough life you're not way behind on life or something that puts the pressure back on the other player to do something about that and that, so that kind of goes into that that's very reminiscent of the control type decks. You see that have mill as like a backup, like a Plan B. Your, your zookeeper decks, your your herald, you know the three hour final herald type decks where herald's controlling the battlefield and there's and leaning on a mill plan. All those decks have to do is get to where the board is even or they're ahead and they're also ahead on cards. And now they have the luxury of just sitting there and killing the stuff you put out or trading their units into yours. And as long as that status quo remains the same, they're going to come out ahead because you're going to fatigue first. Right. Right. You Like when I think of the word inevitability, I don't necessarily think of like I have to have a way to burn you out or something in my deck. I just have to have a way to get to the board state where the pressure is now on you to change the fact, like to to do something about it, right? If I can get to there – and control you from here on out i don't have to do anything else it's up to the opponent to change that
1: so one interesting point with brennan because you mentioned her and i think she used to be inevitable um i don't think so anymore since the errata because it used to be that it the spirit burn worked on any unit which mattered because you know, ready spells are always available. And in particular, with something like Salamander Monk, which is only class-costed, it was always easier to guarantee a spirit burn, um, and as a side action, too. You just play it, and then you burn for two. Now, because it's relying on allies, and allies are, are finite, it I don't feel like she has the same inevitability of burn as she used to.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you have ceremonial dice and shepherds and stuff, but still, the ceremonial takes a power side. And when you get to the end of the game and you're out of cards, you might not be able to meditate for that. So,
1: yeah, That's fair. and and it it hits you know you for even the one point of damage each time. So there's there's a finite amount of recursion. The other thing I thought was interesting, orc is inevitable, and it's interesting in contrast because once you have even just one concentration, then. You know, it might take a really long time, but you can get to seven.
2: You do need to, because you have to, it's the focus effect.
1: Just the contrast between Auric and Rowan, because Rowan is, is not ready spell based. And so there's a difference in terms of the inevitability of him getting to his end game state, uh, which is kind of interesting. Um, but I mean, a, a lot of it, uh, like i wonder at a very very high level because you're mentioning being ahead on cards and and being ahead or equal on board does inevitably lean itself towards phoenix born who have a higher spell board so eradel being the classic because you mentioned zookeeper you know if you if you can't keep up with those unit that amount of unit generation plus her removal spell. Is that a form of inevitability, especially if you're on, you know, a three spell board Phoenix born, or even if, you know, you're using um, ready, like utility spells rather than summons.
2: Yeah, I, I think it is. And you, if you've played against Zookeeper, especially back when Philly was piloting it, he's still, I think, the best at it. It was his creation to begin with. If you played against that, you feel that tightening, right? Over the first, like round two, round three, your deck disappears very quickly. and that deck particularly will spend six or seven dice every round on the spellboard and the Phoenix born. So you're only playing a card or two out of your hand every round. And as long as you're not discarding between rounds and there's no other mill from the opponent, you're only, you know, into your deck a couple cards every round where the other, pro- the other player on that three spell board with maybe a couple, you know, a magic siphon or a something else on the spell board that's not cost and dice has to play cards from their hand or, yeah, has to play cards from their hand to, to spend their 10 dice for the round. So they burn through five cards in their hand, plus meditations, and all Aradal needs is a couple Ruby Cobra hits here and there, and maybe an Owl, and all of a sudden Aradal's up six or seven cards after the second round.
1: Brian and Carl's Tristan deck feels similar um in that sense with the the ruby cobras especially magnified because there's just it's so much mill pressure but then the possibility for swarm and to follow up you know with some damage and a great removal spell is sort of like that
2: yeah it's very similar it's a little more aggressive than zookeeper is because it relies upon the cobra swings right it's not just I'm going to out efficiency you by using my efficient four spell board and Phoenix Born ability to, to spend my dice in a way that still makes sense and still can control the board. It's more, I'm going to, this Cobra's is going to hit you really hard every round. It's hit your deck and, you know, your board with two damage and two mil um, on top of owls or whatever else that they have in there to mill you with it's a bit more of an aggressive mill plan yeah but yeah it does put the squeeze on pretty quickly but again if that only works if they're ahead on cards right that trista deck has to be ahead if the other deck is milling just as efficiently and you're even on cards then it's still anybody's game Right there's not really onus on one player or the other to change the state of the game so that that they don't get milled out faster.
1: Sure, sure.
2: Um, so it's you have to get ahead, I guess, is the point.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about listening to you talk that through. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but I've been puzzling over what it is that makes. I'm just gonna say Mayone in particular, like a strong Mayoni deck feel so completely oppressive. Um and I think it's I think it's the way in which the snake in particular is so wrapped up in how Ashes is designed. Like, there are very few game plans that <laughs> work if you can't put units on the board. Which is the only way to stop Snake from growing. Uh Especially with things like explosive growth, like obviously you can keep removing it, but um, a root armored snake against a lot of decks um, can be extremely, extremely difficult, absent a couple silver bullets, to get off the table. Um, So there's a way in which, like, you simply can't play against. You know, there, there are ways in which it just feels impossible to play against in a way that. Some of those mill decks, like you just described the way that an Aridale deck with a big, um, with four books and a good dice spread can be extremely slow in draining her deck. Obviously, people can mill it, but she can really slow it down. Um, That just feels more like there's more counterplay against some of the mill strategies than uh, against the single big swing strategy because like i said it's just very difficult to play a game without units on your side of the battlefield especially when the snake player if you decide you know somehow not to put units down can explosive growth from nothing um and deal a fair chunk of damage so now i'll say that um to treatment's point about brennan and the fact that she feels less inevitable and thinking about counterplay to these inevitability strategies. I would have said the reason Brennan feels less inevitable now than she did is actually the degree of healing from Pact. Not, I mean, the, the impact of her born ability is certainly felt, but just the fact that we now have ready access to healing that winds back the clock on Death to Burn especially feels really notable. And we don't really have similar... Um, or I, the options to, to roll back mill are not as attractive. Like the kinds of, um, rally the troops, uh, puts, puts cards back in your hand or revival pack to put a bunch of allies back in your deck or memorialize, which is very slow. It's kind of drip. Like those cards don't have the impact that Phoenix attendant plus chain of transfusion have on burn on mill. Um, so anyway, that's a long way of saying there's something about snake that just feels like there's very limited counterplay. There's obviously removal, but there's counterplay to removal, but like hard to play ashes without units.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot, a lot of the, the unit based ones are interesting because Mayoni is one example, but I, it also immediately makes me think of fighting spirit. Um, that same sort of it's, it's almost like infinitely growing, um, a source of big damage and then all they need is one swing or, or sometimes you know a couple of small smaller ones but they can basically one one punch kill and if you throw in you know hypnotize for mayoni or uh standstill that type of thing with fighting spirit um, it, it, does have that same constricting feel of like, you're just trying to keep on top of it, on top of all the units with Mayoni, it's a lot harder cause it's one unit and root armor does a lot. Um, but there's also, it, it comes down to your removal options because with units on board, you can, there's, there's two ways you can trade or you have removal hard removal and those cards eventually will run out. and I think that's why mill is interesting because you can't really recur any amount of cards as fast as you can mill them out once it gets to the end game. Um, whereas with with burn you can sort of keep pace or keep it even and you really only need to remove up to three cards um you know ignoring recursion but bef- just to stop the combo which is interesting um but if you have like phoenix attendant in this case like you know most because that's that's the combo um whereas with some burn packages like chant of revenge um but even more so frostbite there's the guaranteed burn every round dice you know dice spent Um, I guess Chan of Revenge is, again, still more dependent on allies, whereas Frostbite's for free, but um, it's just like those types of things. So what, like, I guess, let's talk about first how you build inevitability, and then when you're looking at something on the board, how to assess Mm -hmm. and counter it. Like what's ultimately, you know, the value of this whole discussion in terms of being a better player, better deck builder.
2: When I think about it, and we talked about this a bit before the show started, I, I tie it into the plan B of the deck. We, we talk about plan B on this show a lot, I feel like. Um, and it means a couple of different things. When I say it, what I mean is plan B is your plan for breaking through the locked up game state. You have to be able to pivot away when you're pl- when you're plan A, which is typically win the battlefield. In most decks, it is that, with a couple exceptions. But most of the time, plan A is get ahead on the board. And plan B has to be when you either can't get ahead on the board or the board is a stalemate, how do you overcome that? And that it plays into the inevitability discussion because you have to have a way to pivot to a different win condition or, or pivot your deck or the game state into a spot where you can still win the game without breaking through the battlefield. If you can't do that, like I said before, you can't put the pressure back on the opponent to do anything other than just keep trading with you and keep the status quo. So so when I think about that, I, I say, okay, you can kind of match up the plan Bs or the inevitability plans to the different types of decks that you're building. And I'm going to lay out a little matrix here that I use, but there, this isn't a doesn't fit 100% of deck construction, right? But it does, I think, make a lot of sense to me. I, I feel like you can build three kind of three kinds of decks when it comes to the battlefield. You can, you can go tall, you can go wide, or you can go for just control. And so tall, right, make a big unit or a couple of really big guys. Wide, make a bunch of little guys and swing around the blockers because you have more than them. And control is just keeping more interactive with their side of the board. Keep theirs down a lot of times at the expense of your own, like trading and stuff. And if I'm going tall, I usually look at a bypass inevitability plan or a bypass plan B. Because you have that big, one big guy that can hit really hard. So your your massive growth bear, your silver snake, right? Your Hydra stuff. That's the the tall bypass things. The wide decks play better with a burn inevitability plan because oftentimes they're wide and fast. They can strike hard and then finish the game with a little bit of burn reach because they can get a lot of damage through the battlefield quickly. And oftentimes after they kind of do their one big move or their couple big swings, they'll exhaust out and start losing the battlefield. But that doesn't matter if they have, if the other Phoenix born only has seven life left and they have nine points of burn spells in their hand. And it, that seems to go really well together. And that's the, you know, the old Brennans were kind of like that. Everyone called that a burn deck. But to me, that Brennan was like a wide swing deck in the beginning of the game. It focused on, putting a bunch of bodies out, Huntmaster, the, you know, into Widows, Lightbringer to Exhaust stuff, Raptor Herder, Salamander Monk with its two bodies. It, it just pumped a bunch of bodies out, swung through everything, got a bunch of damage on, on you, meteored the board, and then burned you out. That was kind of what that deck used to do. Hope does a lot of that now. And Tristan Fish does that, right? Like, those are the types of decks that, hit you wide, and then finish with burn. The control stuff, I think, plays with milb the best. And again, Zookeeper, Herald, those types of things where they're focused on controlling the board. They don't necessarily care if they swing through and hit face one way or the other. They're just concerned with keeping your units off the board or down. And they're going to beat you by engineering that board state to where the board is equal and they're ahead on cards and unless you do something to stop that you're eventually going to lose and I, I feel like those th- those three things kind of mesh so if I'm building a control deck I kind of naturally look to mill as the as the plan B a lot of times that seems to fit if I'm building wide I look at burn if I'm building tall I look at bypass and that's kind of a rule of thumb but it's You know, when I'm when I don't have any ideas for a deck specifically other than that, if I'm that's kind of my little matrix I use.
1: Okay, OK, maybe what's your thought? Because you talked about the uh, the cold feeling when you face a Mayoni or a mill deck. Maybe it's just the
0: eyes of the snake looking into you, that (laughs) reptile, that reptilian stare.
1: When do you assess that? Um, like how how early do you assess it sometimes is it based off of the, the phoenix porn like a mayoni snake um, and then how do you pivot or how do you change your, your game plan in order to try and combat that
0: yeah it's a good question um, I just want to appreciate what Killer said though I think that I'm I'm hung up on whether or not those are plan B's or plan A's <laughs> but I think it makes a lot of sense the way that, that breakdown of Battlefield um, makes a lot of sense to me. Um, it's, uh, and it's an elegant way of thinking about it. Um, I think the counterplay, yeah, I think trying to figure out which archetype your opponent is playing towards is probably, yeah, it's pretty important, uh, as early as you can, and they're pretty clear signals that you can take. So, Um, the dice color spread, like I, I think of the hardcore burn colors as being nature ceremonial sympathy. And if someone's running that color spread, I am on my guard for, uh, an intense burn, uh, and potentially a race. Um, I think similarly, the kind of control slash mill spread as being, well, really a control mill spread as being divine sympathy charm, um, although increasingly illusion and even mono illusion is coming up as effectively a control yeah. um mill color. Um and then the the wide is what's tricky about the the wide is it uh can come in a lot of different flavors. Like you've got kind of a divine ceremonial um fallen slash sleeping widows wide um swing deck uh, and some of those can actually move quite fast uh less fast now than they used to but in james they can still move pretty quickly they can also have raptor recur you know raptor herder recursion uh so like nature divine and a xander for example like um be perusus's old uh raptor spam decks um so it's tricky to figure out it's not easy and i think having a good read on the meta especially in a closed tournament setting is really helpful there to have some sense of what you're likely to face um i'll just throw one other idea in here which may be um too philosophical to be of use but i'll I'll just offer it which is that you know as killer was talking i was thinking about the way in which and this relates to what i was talking about with mayoni the way that it addresses a core component of the game and makes basically a basically part of the physics of ashes work in your favor where part of the way ashes needs to run as a game is that units need to be traded and now you're introducing the snake which that fundamental part of the game fuels what the snake is trying to do and similarly i think it's worth trying to figure out how you are making the framework of the game work in your favor for your inevitability plan so like with the wide swing deck, for example, how are you engineering the tops of the rounds specifically? Like that is the framework of the game that actually matters most to you, I think, is the fact that the first player token shifts between rounds. So how are you making maximum advantage of that? With Mill, we already talked about the way in which the exhaustion rules create that force of that force of gravity. But I think it's really worth thinking about the way in which you can intertwine your inevitability plan with just the way the game operates at a fundamental level and understand those interactions really clearly um because you can manipulate them and you know one of the earliest things i've talked about the fact that when i was learning ashes i made a video playlist of all of matt Bowers' games that had been recorded and like to me he still feels like the master of engineering the top of the round lethal swing with you know his various knights and swing decks and like that is the mechanism that he understands so deeply i think um jk and it's something that we started to explore as a the three of us in conversations but i feel like we abandoned too quickly like the later jk brennan decks i think really explore this fascinating dynamic around swinging and then dropping cards using passing pressure. um, And this is something that monk uses as well with safeguard using that passing pressure to basically make sure you can swing and then can't take a counter swing back. And that feels like an underexplored mechanism or fundamental truth about the game, which you can try and manipulate or play with to your advantage. Um, So I don't know that that's my philosophical Thought it's about you know understanding like what's the force of entropy in ashes you know the end state that the game is always moving towards or or what's the first rule of physics
2: in ashes? Yeah, I mean we we can talk a bit about you know how how do you deal with each type of inevitability? I mean bypass you know redirect as a card, right? Like that's a it's that's bypasses worst enemy, especially the tall ones. Um, it's a real good card and it's played a lot by like the tippy top players and there's a there's a good reason for that. Um, the other ways to you know so that that's a good card against bypass I think against tall decks there needs to be more side action illusion power, main action removal spell. Hmm. Like that just doesn't happen, in, like it, it never happens. Like I, I, I can't remember the last time I saw somebody spin down a snake and play a removal spell. Like it, it seems like it should happen a lot. It just never does. I'm not real sure why, but I've always felt like playing against Maoni in particular. Part of the problem, like part of that, that feeling of dread, is that. I might have a removal spell for the snake, but I know there's a golden veil like it. It's there. And do do I want to spend my two dice or more just to get got by a one die golden veil? And now, I mean, a lot of times ashes is about these little dice trade efficiency games where if I spend one die in a card and I Use that to get your two dice in a card. I'm up a die in the round, and that can swing a game back into my favor. Do I want to spend my side action frog main action fester just to get golden veiled and then I'm down a die for the rest of the round? That's that's difficult to play into. That's why golden veil is such a good card, but I, I mean. The, the simple answer is just use a wolf and then it's gone. Um, and, and I I don't know why people don't do more of that. I don't do more of it. And I don't know why I don't do it.
0: <laughs> but how many main action removal spells are there? I mean, it's where you don't want the side action for something else, right? Fester, you need to have set that up in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think it's fear. It's sort of virtue. I guess crescendo if it's in range with an attack.
2: Yeah. I mean you can do stuff like fade away and blood chains and get into the exhaustion steady gaze. Um that kind of stuff. I think there's more.
1: That's an interesting one. Um, I guess the reason you probably don't see it that often is because there's no merch and no catchphrase around wolf up. <laughs> yeah i think if if we had gone down a different road you'd see more people playing it um i was also thinking of uh figures of the fog which would be the other reason that's another
2: really good bypass stopper card yeah
1: yeah yeah and another reason to have uh wolf up wolf um i guess stasis to a lesser degree I, i i still think that card needs to see more play um As an option especially against some of these decks running the bypass option uh but i guess yeah that's that's an interesting conundrum because outside of ceremonial and and illusion which we just talked about there's not a lot of non-unique hard removal in the other colors i mean yeah you can sort of consider molten gold-ish, but that's pretty expensive um, and it's damage-based, so it's not a guarantee. And then outside of that, uh, side, I mean, there's two shadows, which is side action only, but it requires a condition um, that's kind of hard and you can't spin down ahead of time. So it's it's very difficult to do that.
2: Yeah, and you know, maybe that's just what it, it just feels to me, like it's easier than it is. Um, but if that if like tall gets really big in the meta i mean i would ex- i i would think you can just go to odette and jessa and these phoenix born that have a hard removal spell and stick an illusion die in there right even even xander i mean earthquake is damage yeah but it's for damage i mean unless you have a root armor that's taken down basically anything and Tsunami shock can do it, too. Like, there's a lot of those types of spells. I mean, those are subject to Fate Reflection, but, you know, Wolf also spins that down, too. It. I, I don't know. I, I feel like there's more opportunity for that Wolf power to be used ahead of a removal spell than what we see. Tall decks haven't really been huge in the meta other than Mayoni, though, so...
1: I think they are getting there.
0: Maybe. When Myoni was big, what was the... I mean, so, like, yeah, there are silver bullet cards, but, like, those are... If you're going to include those, they're meta calls, and they pull you in certain directions. Like, if I'm thinking about figures in the fog and redirect, and I'm serious about wanting to have them in hand when I need them, that's generally going to mean three ofs. Uh, Because those are not first five cards typically. Um, The snake's not threatening in the first five. Uh, And then I'm starting to, you know, then I'm like, okay, well, how do I, what's my, what's the win con that these advance? And you start to go into kind of a control mill direction with the deck's plan A as a whole to support those silver bullets in the situation you need them. But is that correct? Like, is that actually what stopped those old Mayoni decks? I feel like. The only thing that stopped my Oni decks were, I mean, maybe it was Harold, which is basically control and yeah. uh, Carl getting bored. So <laughs> Carl's attention span. And- Harold, I, I mean, not
1: we'll So just um, because it was sort of in discussion today on the server, Guilt Link is an interesting one for specifically for tall decks. It does require engineering to ensure that the tall unit is the only one left but typically that's the case right because a tall deck is supported by smaller stuff or at least or very few units so with mayoni it's gilder typically um, and then not all that many other units or if they are you know could be raptor herder that type of thing just to spam blockers and so if you can set yourself up in a control position where you have lots of ping or lots of good units to trade with then you can engineer a setup where guilt link is well it's not uncounterable but nobody plays vanish um and so it's th- that's an interesting option to consider Out, like outside of reaction spells or or action spells that you have to draw into
0: yeah and that's a nice one because it fits the control plan and you can play it as one of and you can first five it in some matchups and just not first five it against wide decks where i think it's got a really low floor so that's that's interesting it does it is making me wonder whether you know we say we're not in a tall meta but like i kind of feel like actually phoenix attendant is kind of like operating in a tall meta it's like i don't know maybe it's deep instead of tall (laughs) just (laughs) eats all these wounds and kills everything on your battlefield but playing against a phoenix attendant is not altogether that different from playing against a single threat it's just that the threat is you never being able to do anything not it murdering you with one hypnot yeah it's a big control
2: threat instead of a big bypass threat right Um, yeah but it's still... Yeah, it's like tall control. Yeah, it's, it's still a four-life body that you have to remove.
0: That has huge healing. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just saying, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like... It does feel like control is pretty dominant in the meta right now. And I was like, well, Snake's not the reason why right now. But I think we're getting at part of the reason why, which is that there is a tall threat. It's just a weird tall control deck instead of a tall bypass deck.
1: I think the main reason that it's shifted is because of the plentiful sources of ping as well as the errata to at the very least salamander which was a big one um and so that sort of pushes you towards more durable units and i think we're going to see more of that with uh the Frostwild scourge um just because i mean nature alterations but even the the units we've seen so far like adapted on being able to exhaust one or less attack units um that's sort of that's a big deal and also the the fire adaptation which is another source of ping so you know i don't know when this again this episode will come out but if we see more of that i think that does push us into the taller direction which then is interesting because whenever there's a movement in the meta there's always the rubber band effect of like what that forces people to start discovering or trying and for a good portion of last year i would say fester dropped off because it was like what's the point if there's just hope running a dozen salamander monks and and other you know even if it was vampire bats or otherwise it's not going to work against fishton um if we go the other way it'll be interesting to see how much more hard removal is packed into decks and where swarm fits like are we out of if we're out of the swarm meta um where does it fit what's the what's the opportunity here is there inevitability for swarm like outside of a killer's point you know which is to back it up with burn um which then you run into that like that's why the 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 phoenix attendant and chant of transfusion sort of handles that whole archetype right if the archetype is swarm units and then back it up with burn pact handles that really well now I've played against a few players like Asterix and stuff who are still strongly pushing. I think Inquisitor's still strongly pushing Tristan. Um, and it can do a lot. So it's it's like, where's the balance? And how do you build into, into that?
0: Yeah, I mean, is the thesis that... To, so if we're trying to sh- draw the shape of the rock, paper, scissors game here between these sources of inevitability is the does swarm overwhelm t- most typical control decks is that you know does a good swarm deck beat control or is there a way that you can build a control deck that both holds swarm down and holds tall
2: decks down i, I don't know i mean it, the swarm stuff i feel fairly okay against a swarm deck when i have a control deck in my hands like if I'm running Zookeeper, I'm yeah. There's so much ping. in Yeah, that I'm, deck. I'm pretty okay with Swarm against that. I can ping their stuff down, and a lot most of the times when I'm pinging it down, it's Violinist or Return to Soil, and it's also advancing my inevitability. You know, secondary win con right. Um. I I will say, I mean, I I lost my round two AIL game against Asterix and his. He played a tall deck against my herald control that was specifically rude armored celestial knights, and I just didn't have anything in my deck that was more than two attack that could <laughs> deal with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I had sonic. I had like. I think I run two sonic swordsmen in it, and otherwise, it was like I, I just can't get rid of these things, and I was dumb enough to. I was dumb enough to hunters mark a Celestial Knight in round one before it got root armored.
0: <laughs> and
2: thinking I, I I had the like I had the a way to take it out, but then he root armored it. And I was like, well, now I can't kill it and not only that, I can never hunters mark anything ever again because I only have one of them and I just had to sit there and stare at it. Um the so I, I don't know. I mean, it, my can I, I feel like I could have handled a Swarm with that Herald Control, but I was a lot less fortunate against the, the tall bypass deck, um, which, you know, that also had Dark Presence to bypass my board, which, I mean, you know, I, I don't know if anyone's going into a game right now expecting Rude Armored Celestial Knight Dark Presence, but... Come on, bring that galaxy brain
0: killer! You should have seen that coming.
1: I mean, Matt probably is running it. So and who knows? Yeah.
2: But you know, I, so I don't know. It's I'm not sure. There's a rock paper scissors thing here, but that's fair. I, I think there's meta answers. There's answers that can go into any type of deck to deal with each of these things. I mean, redirecting figures in the fog might be enough to deal with a one punch deck, depending on how far you can advance your win con prior to them getting the one punch in. Right. If you have that reaction spell at the right time.
1: I, yeah, I don't think you can broadly say that a control deck or a burn deck or or tall or, or swarm will have a rock, paper, scissors matchup one way or the other just on category but you definitely build your deck that way like even with if we're saying control but you know sort of discussing the the mill style decks there are definitely two types of mill decks there's the the more hardcore wants to win on fatigue mill deck where you have abundance and doves and those suffer from well it suffers from big bypass because typically you're limited in units like if you're playing doves that's your one type of unit so even a standstill can do a lot for or like against you and um if the opponent is willing to sacrifice cards to just ping away and keep on top you can't match board state um and similarly if they went swarm and were just trading and build up really wide you can't do that so it depends what options you're putting in your deck either you're going for the lockdown with something like a kneel or building in lots of aoe to handle the swarm stuff but then you might be exposed to bypass the other option is you go with the redirects or really sturdy unit that just sits there to hold down you know a couple of the big things um like an alert rude armored unit um but every deck has options. And I think we discussed this, I don't know, way back uh, during the deck building stuff, that you have to assess what your sort of plan A and plan B is, and then what that weakness is, and try and generally fill the gap with a couple cards. Um, and that's the, I think that's the tricky part, and the part I usually overlook where i just am super excited about an idea and i go full hog with you know three copies of everything and then i just am like here's my plan b with a little bit of burn but i completely ignore assessing the weaknesses of it and how to even i even ignore whether it's whether i have inevitability it's like oh i got some burn but you know am i actually going to be able to do anything once it gets to a board state that's stale i don't know Start
2: playing Jessa. That's what she's good. I mean seriously, it's it's really nice that that's my favorite thing about Jessa is that you don't have to worry so much about that. You just gotta get close.
0: Inevitability <laughs> like, printed on the Phoenix born right there.
1: For the life of me, I can't I'm I have a terrible win weight win rate with uh for Battlefield. Yeah, they're uh, they're Phoenix difficult born. to
2: manage. Um, one of the other decks, and this this is completely unrelated, but something I just realized I wanted to say before I forgot was, um, about guilt link earlier and the, how guilt links a good counter to tall units. I I really wanted to play the probably Xander deck with like nine AOE spells and guilt link to seriously, to, to like, to, to mitigate that, I mean, you play Nature's Wrath and Earthquake and Miss Typhoon or, I don't know, a Rapture or whatever, or the other one you want to be, and continually clear out all the little guys and then guilt link the big ones. Um, and, a, and throw a couple Safeguard in to do my wide swing Safeguard after and then AOE your board thing, because I like that.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to... I'm trying to assess how far we've moved off the core, <laughs> the core <laughs> idea of inevitability. Because I feel like, yeah, I think, here's how I'd put it. Like, there are strong decks with a clear win con and a good plan A. I think what distinguishes those good decks from a deck that carries the sense of ine- inevitability with it is that I think the deck... A deck I would refer to as, you know, being inevitable or having some really clear plan that feels like inescapable is that i think the deck that deck doesn't need to flex much um to respond to what you know in response to to, to create counterplay like it's plan a demands such a clear response and focused response from the opponent that um yeah it could have really really bad matchups because the opponent has all of the answers but um it sets the tone or it it's plan A determines who wins not your opponent's plan A like it doesn't need counterplay to your plan A you need counterplan counterplay to its um and trying to figure out what it when that's true and if that's ever true I would argue that it is um feels like something worth exploring because because I think the strongest decks in any given meta do feel like that's true like they have the plan a that demands a response that that is just gonna ignore your your plan a entirely and just ask you can you stop what i'm trying to do um and to get back to something i said earlier like i think one of the defining features of those decks i'll just continue to contend remains that the way in which they can turn your plan a against you like just say yeah you can pursue your plan a but Anything you try to do just continues to advance my plan. Like the Fighting Spirit one-punch decks, I don't, I don't think most of them quite rise to the level of inevitability, but they do have the feature to some degree that Snake does, which is I'm going to keep putting units that could get really big if I Fighting Spirit them on the board, and when you remove them, they just keep making my Fighting Spirit bigger. So at some point, you know, I am building up a head of steam that's going to be very difficult to stop, and the thing that you want to do to stop me still advances my plan it it might not you know be a loss for you, but it could still bring me closer to a win. I think the leo you know some of the leo turbo mill decks where it's like I need to clear leo's board to deal enough damage to him to kill him before I'm out of cards and starting to take abundance damage, but anything I kill there's no good attack like it's it's gonna drain my deck away that much faster, so that feels like one of the core conditions here is that these truly inevitable decks take your plan a and they just make it work for them in some really nasty
2: ways. Yeah. There's a reason silver snake is the best conjuration in the game, right? Because that's what it does. And it's been here in the game since the master set, and it's always been good because it does exactly what you just said, right? It's, my plan A is to make a big snake. All I have to do to do that is kill your guys, and I want to do that anyway. And if what you have to do to – you can't let it get through, so you have to put bodies out, right? Like you said, that's the counterplay, but that's what I want you to do because now I'll kill your guys and make the snake bigger. And if you kill my guys, my guilder's is going to jump in the way, and that also makes my snake bigger. Um, and – that mayone always going to be good because that card is always good. Um, un, until there's a, they, they print something that kills the snake that can't get golden veiled and it's cheap and easy.
0: Well, I, I, I do think ice adaptation, which we just saw, like I was going to say this earlier when we talked about tall strategies, I think what's really fascinating and slightly scary to me about Adaptodon is like the combination of ice and fire Exhaust the snake when it's zero attack or one attack or make them spend a golden veil on it and or, you know, ping the small unit away with fire. It's like such a nasty combo control that works against both tall and wide. But anyway, sorry.
1: Yeah, it also works against Hydra and other things. Like, I mean, Hydra being the main one that has that feel. Not exactly to the same level, but it is. it demands a response immediately and it's kind of cool that it can do the same thing. Um, but yeah, no, I think you summed it up really nicely. Like I said, the glue that binds.
2: Is there a, uh, the, uh, again, bit off topic. I apologize. Is there a, a Royal charm adapted on deck that starts trying to charm power to let to attack units and then exhaust them with the ice thing? Is that a
1: thing? Uh, that I don't even think you do it with royal charm. You could do it with what mind fog owl, focus mind fog. Yeah,
2: you, yeah, maybe you could do it. Maybe you do that. I don't know. I'm, I'm in kind of in magical Christmas janky land, but I was trying to come up with ways earlier to reduce people's attack and like, I'm. It's gonna be my goal to like regress a hammer knight and then ice adapt it to exhaust it, but that's just so much. Wasted ridiculousness, (laughs) but it's funny anyway.
0: If we're going to speculate about the meta that may already be here when this episode drops, but for us is still far in the future, I do think one thing I have been thinking about is the way in which, um, with adaptedons running around, uh, and the way in which they kind of bracket, there is this really interesting feature where some of the big, tall strategies that have historically been strong are actually uniquely vulnerable because those units start with low attack and then get bigger. Um so they're vulnerable to the exhaust effects. Um and the way that they can hold swarm down potentially with the uh, fire adaptation is the space that opens up in the middle for especially knights and you know heavy knight openings uh to start to control. You know, they they can take a damage, they can they can't be exhausted. Uh, and they can be really, really nasty. So I'm kind of curious to see whether or not we see a
2: knight's rise again in the near future. Maybe it's Chant of Erosion. Chant of Erosion. Ooh. To reduce the attack or play time. I mean, I'm done now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I was going to say, I think, like, as far as inevitability goes, uh, you know, the heavier topic, uh, I'm out of things to say, but... I think it would be fun Perfect. We did just it. to, yeah, just to finish this off. We solved inevitability. Let's just, uh, let's go around just for some lighthearted, you know, fun. Three of your, it doesn't have to be janky ideas, but like, let's, let's say three ideas that you think would be cool to explore right now. Like, do you guys have, cause I mean, I always have like lists of deck or card combos or whatever to explore but like three fun things so i i like <laughs> as crazy as it sounds some sort of adapted on chain of erosion or or royal charm or mind fog owl thing would be kind of cool but what else what else you got shwen do you have any ideas that you're looking to explore
0: so i was wondering about what kind of blink shenanigans jericho could be up to uh with ember hearts uh being able to pull um Alterations repeatedly and possibly juggle them back and forth between them it seems completely ridiculous <laughs> i'm sort of interested in trying that um i have also been thinking about uh this is actually much more i, I think actually like a close to playable idea that i'd like to continue to experiment with which is the combination of blood brawl and turtle guard where uh-huh. using turtle guards to yeah. block things and then get exhausted and then use blood brawl in the same way that people have been using blood chains actually with exhausted turtle guards and there's no reason those two can't go in the same deck with turtle guard might might be really interesting.
2: Yeah, I uh yeah, I I've tri- I think I've built that but but I haven't like played it enough but yeah that's i love built
0: everything if that's our (laughs) bar just
2: wrap it up but i i love i love the idea i mean the the that exhausted turtle guard can sit there with two wounds and not get pinged off all right that it's just a perfect blood brawl opportunity um it makes me want to put it in rin so that you can ice buff it and then have block a three like attack thing um, I just like run with blood brawl period because ice buff gives your guys more room to have wounds on them to make the blood brawls bigger.
1: Yeah, it's been, I mean, you throw in like blood archer and uh, and infuriate on any decent size unit, and you're gonna have some fun times.
2: I'm gonna play blood transfer too. And how many blood cards are there? Can we can we make a whole blood deck yet? Is that <laughs> how, brawl how far can you
1: archer transfer? and chains is that it chains and puppet
2: oh blood puppet i guess a quick ashes dot live search no, and tell blood you
1: shaman you. isn't there and shan- shaman. there is a yeah. blood
2: shaman yeah th- that's six cards We're only, we only need a few more we can get there
1: and puppeteer Technically oh yeah. Different blood than, puppeteer. yeah now we have so there you go.
2: yeah
1: all right building the blood deck <laughs> um i was thinking well I, now, I don't know but what
0: about a crypt deck uh, so just crypt- it's just the one yeah, guy. Just, just the one. Damn,
1: <laughs> <laughs> outnumbered. You could start on crystal, archer, yeah. armor, okay. Uh Yeah.
0: So you're you're bringing the crystal meth deck? Is that yeah?
1: What <laughs> <laughs> Sally and amplify uh, was something I had thought about. It's just like as yeah, an interesting I had that in a deck.
0: You, you watched me eat shit excuse my language with an air deck that <laughs> wanted to amplify and otherwise abuse the zero attack spirits left behind but I was playing against a cruel burn deck
1: I only have to pay attention to your game sometimes
0: that's about as much as they're worth paying attention to so you're not missing much
1: <laughs> uh, title shift and chance ah. just for fun <laughs> <laughs>
2: I feel like there's cooler stuff you can title shift. I like oh, the yeah, canyon. Probably, yeah. I like the canyon shelter yeah.
1: stuff. Canyon shelter is the main one, yeah. I was I was
0: playing around with title shift and canyon shelter, and that I need to go back to that.
1: It's. I think it's really cool.
0: Okay, here's one more. I think reflections in the water is actually legit underutilized. I mean, there's so many units who are carried by their abilities right now that if you just Ooh. blanked their abilities for a round. Would be completely different, and there are units on your own side that you might want to do that with. I joked about throwing a turtle guard <laughs> out, but like, you know, maybe better with a uh, um, what's the stupid biter? venom. You... I mean, the plant biter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, three twos stink, but I don't know. I, I'm, I, It feels like reflections in the water is maybe underutilized. It's a really cheap way to just knock an annoying attendant out for a round
1: yeah no i and it can be what's cool is it can be used offensively too if you wanted blank i mean i guess the only real negative is blanking uh, a rooted unit i don't know what else you would
2: that's good for you um
1: yeah if you wanted to swing that's what i meant like offensively like instead of instead of blanking something that could do you harm is there anything that you would Blank on yourself to make it more, potentially more valuable for a single turn.
2: There's not a lot of negative abilities in Ashes, that's one thing, you know? There just really aren't a lot of those. Yeah. Does Infuriate add an ability? Or does it just put two damage on you?
0: It does.
1: It does. Yeah. Uh, it It adds rage and... If I just pull it up,
2: I mean, I'm wondering if you if you have an infuriated guy that you've already swung with, and you've you re- frenzy is it. yeah yeah if you have an infuriated guy that's already wounded, maybe you reflections it and then you can swing to get another attack out of it. I, that's as much that's all I got. Super, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: super niche. Yeah, I, I think inflame is another card that needs more play. Hard inflame with like with quick strike units um you know like griffin uh or with units that have a really cool ability like sonic um and also with units that want to die that typically your opponent does not want to counter so rising horde puppeteer psychic vampire uh stuff like that i think is is really interesting there's there's some space there that's gotta be explored in
2: flame is very good um, I've only, pl- I think I've only played one frog up game since I, 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 I did put in flame in the deck. I took hunting weapons out, put in flame in. I think I played one game and I used in flame and it was awesome. And <laughs> I was like, this card is great. I need to play it more. And it's a bypass card too. Like you can, you can force them to block your little one, one instead of your big dude that's swinging. If there's only one guy, ga- one blocker on the battlefield. Um, it's a it's a very good card. Sorry,
0: can I go back to Reflections in the Water momentarily? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mirror Spirit Wishing Wing, are is the X equals the number of status tokens on this unit? Is that an ability?
2: No, it's uh, okay. It is an ability, but I don't I don't think the attack equals X goes away. Like I don't think X goes to zero when you put a Reflections in the Water on it. Bummer.
1: Schmandrix is just gonna. Spend all night thinking about decks that can use reflections in the water or what it counters. Yeah,
2: man, if you could reflections in the water a silver snake for a round, I mean that'd be phenomenal. But I, I don't yeah, think I it don't works think that so. way. I
0: think we would have seen it played a lot more. Yeah, and what you can do is reflections in the water a chimera. And having been recently beaten by a really annoying
2: rowan deck, I would love to take over kill three off that thing. Yeah, that you can do. I like just hitting. I like hitting realm walker with it when it. Oh, beautiful. first comes down. You just like oh, walker and I'm like reflections, and then you just block it with a salamander.
1: Yeah, that's actually really cool. I was gonna say on the creeper chain, you slap it on the seedling, so you can't. Well, you could it. do it either way. You could slap it on the the creeper, and so then it can't germinate. It can't drop the the seedling, or you slap it on the seedling, and it won't gain. Oh, that life. that's
2: interesting. That's that's better. So like side action reflections, a creeper and main action, old salt, ping it. And then you, they just don't get a seedling. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, it's actually I, I like
2: that. That's 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 really cool. You can hit rising horde, too. Oh, that's sick.
1: You know what? I'm actually I'm on board with this idea, Sven. And <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to go I'm going to look at some of my illusion or time decks and just be like, hmm, OK, what what unit? do i have a problem with and then just pop it on there or hopefully clue takes a realm of the absurd deck pops in some reflections so that when he does this hunting weapons trick if he's facing a creeper or something he's just he's got no problem just eliminate the chain
2: like like they go first and they go roam walker hunting weapons and you're like reflections in the water it it knocks out the hunting weapons it knocks out the the roam walker i mean it that's such a mad flex like you're just like you're just pumping your guns up in the air when you. fortunately it is
0: it is a side action so if they've got golden veil up you're not going to be able to do that but yeah um yeah
2: i guess that's true
0: but that's why
1: you first five accelerate it knocks out unit guards too
2: but they, they really want a golden veil reflections in the water i mean i I feel like that's a win. You drop reflections in the water, and that eats the golden veil. Like you've won. That's true.
1: That is that is a win. Yeah. Use it to knock out unit guards. So we're talking about yeah. Drop dropping on the gilder, and then do whatever. Yeah. You got the whole round. I'm into this. And it wouldn't it wouldn't leave the uh, token, right? Right. Gilder wouldn't. That that's extra good. This is this is the juice. This is see. 5 minutes and we've we figured out the counter forget forget inevitability we just figured out the counter to all to, of to the strong combos put it on hydra no heads
2: no heads you hit glowfinch with it and then you kill it <laughs> oh. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the dream <laughs> <laughs> yeah no totally carl plays his Dreadweight with two infuriates and then you reflections in the water it <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, this is legitimate. This is the card to counter all of these problems. I'm really problems. excited
0: about this because I, I feel like early on I really made my mark in the server with a joke when Time Hopper was previewed. That I couldn't wait to Reflections in the Water my Time Hoppers to like psych them up to block units. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad I've actually found a legit use for it
1: i think there's a lot of legit uses man wouldn't it it would have uh saved you with the celestial problem i've seen because i played against matt and he played celestial knight. i think it was with rude armor slapper reflections on it does it remove armor holy cow yeah, right because the armor is an ability dude
2: that's that, that's the herald answer that we were looking at the other day
1: that's yeah if you're in herald <laughs> you need to play reflections that that covers all the the problems wicked
2: ah <laughs> uh, that's hilarious We start playing summon a weeping spirit onto their side of the battlefield and then reflections it so they can't discard a card to get rid of it mm. well you could do that with puppets, puppets. yeah you could do it with puppets too so that they can't self-inflict
1: it covers all the knights though right S- slap it on uh
2: oh you put on any knight it deals with it for makes them makes them not alert it-
1: not alert <laughs> not a crypt guardian stops uh the unit guard and the shackle
2: I don't think it'll stop the shackle at the end of the round, will it? I guess unless it, I don't know which one falls off. You can remove it.
1: No, 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 but I meant like, yeah, you're going to remove it and then it won't exhaust anything. Right.
0: So look, okay, so inevitably, anytime we talk about this, someone's going to say, well, I'd rather just remove it. I mean, it's like worse exhaustion.
2: It's even worse than exhaustion. So like, Yeah, but it's one die and a side action.
1: It's not, though, because there are some cards that the ability is the problem. Right. Like you said, and if you can eliminate the ability that gives you breathing time to do something, or sometimes it literally opens up the ability to remove it without consequence.
0: Yeah. I think that is where it really shines is like, there are certain situations where you've really got to remove, like armor is really problematic in certain situations. Um, And it's printed on the card. Or the Realm Walker. I mean,
2: yeah, the blank, blank three threes. No, nothing to write home about. All right. Well, good. Yeah, and I and, and you know we and I think putting it in a deck where you can get some offensive use out of it. You know, maybe that's the sauce. Like I did try it with Biter a couple weeks ago. It, I, I but Biter's terrible, and that's part of the problem is I I couldn't find a good time to play it because I couldn't even get a Biter on the board because I, I never wanted to put it down. But like but turtle guard's different a different story and that's even in color um and or stuff like the blood puppet spam maybe it goes in there i don't know and you can use it on the puppets to stop them from getting self-inflicted
1: you gotta do with the infuriate refresh swing again yeah
0: (laughs) is playtime what's an ability like could you stop playtime on your own thing I don't know. I, I, right, I
1: we're don't. getting into the weeds now. Sky's right. gonna have all kinds of rule questions in the morning.
2: It would have to say like the unit gains the following ability and then have a thing. I don't know what playtime says and I don't I can't pull it up right now. It doesn't say that. Then no, you can't stop that one. But I think like Root Armor doesn't Root Armor give them armored one, I think. So mm-hmm. like it gets I think it should get rid of that. Unless reflections only deals with the stuff on the card i don't know what reflection says either should we say <laughs> new deck building challenge reflections in the water i think we should we haven't done that for a
1: while and it... yeah yeah let's do the jank jank tank let's yeah let's throw that out there and we can review the next time that was
2: on the wheel of jank we haven't spun the wheel of jank for a while but reflections in the water was on it so we're gonna pretend like we spun it and we landed on that
1: <laughs> boom
2: I have the answer. Abilities are named effects and playtime is not
0: named. So yeah. it needs to have the bold name to be an ability. So the X equals is also not an ability.
1: Right. Reflections nerfs rising horde.
0: Yeah. Big yeah time. That one's really nice. That was a really good. That's a really good call.
1: Yeah. Cool. All right.
2: Yeah, Creeper and rising horde are huge. Like that.
1: That's anu- honestly that, that 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 alone is enough reason to just run three of it, especially if we do move to night's.
2: Where where was this at when Hope was around? I, well, I guess like when you duplicated the Creeper, it still the new one would have had the ability, so you still get to see. Mm. But mm. Um, I think you do because it's a copy of that. Well, it's a it says a copy of that conjuration, right? But it comes out of your conjuration pile, so I don't think it. I, I think it has the ability.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right.
2: But still, the other one doesn't get it. Like creeper was all over the place, and we could have just been like hope plays a creeper, and someone goes side action reflections main action ping, and yeah, well, but that she had double down too. That was the other problem. That's gone now, though. We don't have to worry about that anymore.
1: Still, I think I, I yeah, it's all it's all gone. But the, the reflections is even more powerful now. And like I said, if we do go, if you're talking about like the the frost wild set and the cards that are coming out, you know, ember heart or adapted on or whatever the heck is next.
2: Yeah. All these all these alterations and addabilities.
1: Yeah, everything that's added, I think this is a legitimate card that should be considered. So let's see what people bring. All right. I like it. So you yeah, go, we solved uh, inevitability and <laughs>
0: with reflections <laughs> in the water. Yeah. That's
1: into <laughs> <And> every card. <laughs> there we go. Uh
0: we're back, baby. Back we on are. the jank train. We're
2: <laughs> writing off the top cuts. Forget that nonsense. Got all serious for a little few episodes, and now we're talking about Reflections in the Water. I
1: love it. The only problem is, like, I always we, we talk about these things, and then I all of a sudden get that seed just stuck in my head. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I actually think there's some truth to this.
0: And then you go on a losing streak, and yeah. you wonder
1: why. <laughs> yeah, I'm already on the losing streak, so I'll, I'll try it. I'll try it if it helps. Would have helped in my last three major losses against... Uh, lost to Killer on Creepers. Lost to yep. Art. Shout out to Art who uh, is in AIL on Mayoni, and uh, previously lost to Carl in the Blitz Top Cut. So this this goes in my decks. Yeah, there it is. Harold Her- Reflections. I'm taking. Ignore the unit guards. Ignore everything else. <laughs> this is
2: it. That's it. I love it. I love it.
1: All right,
0: all right. If you're not janky, you're stanky.
1: Frog up.
2: Frog up, guys. Frog up. Yep. Have a good one. All right. We'll see you guys. Peace.